Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Well, thanks for reading, Josh, and Happy New Year to everybody at Westminster Chapel. I was so excited to think about being live at Westminster Chapel but because of these new restrictions, again, having to speak from home and uh, just it's a frustrating season, a difficult season for us all. And uh, during this lockdown season, I've had the privilege of uh, being given a number of books to read and to write and commend, etc. Hannah Anderson uh, writing a beautiful book for the new year and PJ Smythe, Howard and Holly writing uh, an excellent book on spiritual detox. But perhaps one of the most gripping stories that I've read is a guy who's in our Bristol church wrote a book called um, Finding the Peacemakers, Dan Maurice. And he uh, visited the scene where the in 2010 there was this mine in Chile that there was a huge landslide, internal landslide. The amount of rock was apparently like two skyscrapers worth of rock that blocked uh, a mine shaft and trapped 33 miners underground. And uh, it's their story and it's very moving because they, they are trapped underground well away from any chance of getting saved. And in that tiny, confined, 38 degrees centigrade, 100 Fahrenheit place with no f- little food, water, very restricted breathing, there was a pastor who would every day uh, speak and pray with them and encourage them and talk about the day when they would walk free and they would come out of this and God is a God of hope and lifted their ha- eyes and lifted their horizons And uh, so I'm so excited that the elders at Westminster Chapel have decided to do this series on hope, um, hope embodied. And uh, I I feel this will be really helpful for all of us to lift our 
sights as we look at the book of Ephesians and we are reminded that the God we worship is a God of hope. But maybe just get your uh, grey brain cells working. I wonder if you were to use a word or a phrase or if you were to put, put a paint a little thumbnail sketch about the state of the world today, what word, what phrase, what picture you would draw? Would it be a pile of plastic? Would it be a person wearing a face mask? Would it be isolation, a little stick figure, all on its own? Another question I'd want you to consider is, do you think the world today is better or worse than a generation ago? Do you think things are gradually getting better or do you think actually you feel things are worse or maybe just they're much the same? And the third question is, if you could make one change, if you could bring one change to this world to make things better, what would that be? What would you think the most important thing you could do with your life would be? Now... We're going to look at looking at hope embodied hope. What I'm calling this morning's message, hope in the darkness, resisting the spirit of despair. I want to encourage you, my dear friends in Westminster Chapel, that there is hope in these times in which we're living. But there is also this sense we must take off and resist putting on the overcoats of discouragement, of despair, of feeling things are, are, are never going to change. We are a people of hope. We serve a God of hope. And I want us to be encouraged in that way. Imagine going to a doctor's surgery with news that there, he now has the vaccine and he's invited you to come and have a vaccine. That's going to be a glorious moment. But imagine you go into that doctor's surgery and he's there with the syringe and you say to him, actually, I don't believe in COVID and I don't believe this vaccine will do me any good. I'm not going to bother. Or you might say, fantastic, put it in my arm. Or the third way you might respond is actually, do you know what, doctor? I've heard from others that there's a better remedy. There is a self-made remedy. I'm going to put bleach in my arm. I think I've heard that's quite handy. And what would you say to each of those people? Because our world is sick. This is the whole message of Ephesians uh, chapter 2. We'll, we'll see how just how sick this world really is. And God has provided a vaccine. And this vaccine has the ability to bring life eternal. And God's encouragement as we read these scriptures is that we come under we we submit to we we imbibe we take on board his word not just as some academic exercise listening to preaching but we listen we obey we realize these words that God speaks in scripture are light and life to us and we put them into practice Paul is writing about something so so important that this world most needs to hear and I pray that as we unpack these scriptures this morning, you will find grace and help to find God's remedy to the world and God's hope in your current 
situation. So there are three important truths Paul wants us to see from these opening verses in Ephesians 2. And the first is this, the truth about the lost world. As for you, Paul says, he's contrasting the you here with the um, us in verse 3. There is an us and them, a you and us. The Gentile world is what Paul has in mind here in verse 1. 3, he's then referring to us, the, his people, his ancestry, the Jews, the people of Israel. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. See, Paul wants to, us to understand the nature of the lost world, the Gentile world. And he says a number of things about them. Just look at your scriptures. They, they, they were transgressors. They were, they were people who broke the law. They, they had no problem breaking, stepping over the boundaries, breaking the rules. They were lost in sin. They were dead in sin. They were sinners people who had put themselves before God who put sin and selfishness and and pride and ego before God and they were following in their deadness in their disobedience in their sinfulness they were following the ways of the world everyone was walking the same way the the highway is broad that leads to death they were all in this together and behind the ways of the world is the spirit who the ruler of the kingdom of the air a spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedience there's a spiritual work going on there's a pied piper there's a person who is beating a drum and the world marches to his drumbeat and of course we know that the rule of the kingdom of the air is the one that Jesus in the wilderness confronts the one who offered him all the kingdoms of this world the Satan himself the devil the one that Adam lost the the rule of earth to the one who is pulling mankind into disobedience into sin into a Christless a godless eternity so God like a doctor a good doctor and Paul uh, being his GP says to us reminds us that the world outside our door is dead but how dead is dead if you've ever seen the prince's bride you'll know that comedy the hero died and was taken to miracle max and miracle max said well how dead is dead he's not dead he's almost dead and uh, there is no category in scripture of almost dead or degrees of death we understand through the bible the world outside of christ is dead to god dead to his spirit dead to his voice dead to seeing him dead to his word 
Now you might look at the world and say, well, they're very much alive. They party, they eat, they drink, they have sex, they, 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 they spend money, they, they, they cause wars, and they seem very much alive. In fact, they even seem spiritually alive because people are uh, religious or people are seeking spirit worlds, ghosts, etc. Paul says, no, it's very important we understand that the condition we were at prior to our salvation, the condition the world at, is at is it is dead to God. Romans 8 um, can illustrate this a little bit better. It says in Romans 8 verse 8, the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. It is a bleak picture it's not the world is ambivalent towards God it's hostile to God it does not want God's rules it does not want God it doesn't believe in God it's Christians are making up nursery stories they're following the way of the world they're following the rule of the kingdom of the air the people outside of Christ now, I say that because we'll sometimes get into discussions with people and they'll say to us, we are free. We're free thinking. We are individualistic. We're making up our own rules. We're finding our own way. And the truth is, no, no, not they're sheep. They're followers. They're just following everybody else. And actually, there's a drumbeat, a pied piper that is playing a drumbeat and they are in step with him. Have you ever had a non-Christian say to you, you Christians are so narrow-minded, saying Jesus is the only way to God? How narrow-minded. Look, you're just one blindfolded person feeling an elephant on his trunk, and Islam is maybe feeling its tusk, and Buddhism is feeling its flank, and you're all just blindfolded feeling an elephant. Have you ever wondered and thought how arrogant that statement is? They're, they are claiming to see. They're claiming to say, well, we see the whole elephant. You poor blind saps in religion, you can't see what is really before you. And that is a picture of how the world is. It's a blind leading the blind. Everyone is following somebody. No one's independent. And everybody is following the drumbeat of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. COVID-19 if it's shown this world anything, it's shown us the relevance of Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I haven't met anyone yet, anyone, who hasn't tried to twist the COVID rules a little bit. And they might look very disparagingly at those who, com who commit the, break the rules in a big bit. But the truth is, with our world... Our world is lost. Our world is dead because all have sinned, every single one, and is caught up in death, caught up in a march to a godless eternity. So let's just talk about the truth about religion. Second truth, the truth about a religion, because there is a thought that, well, Maybe there are a number of ways to God. Are the Jews rejecting Christ still going to be okay with God? 
Paul describes the state of the Jews like this, himself included in it before his salvation. All of us also lived among them, that's the Gentiles, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, like the Gentiles, we were by nature. Not just by our actions, but in our very core of our being, objects of wrath. The Jew would have had no problem identifying with what I said about the Gentiles, what Paul says about the Gentiles. They're dead. They're, they're, they are dogs. They're outside. There's a, there's a court of the Gentiles. They're not the in group. They're the out group. They, they deserve judgment. They're sinners. They're rebels. They follow and worship other gods. They are outside of the covenant, outside of the promises, outside of circumcision, and therefore deserving of wrath. And these words would have brought a catch in all of their hearts and their breath. We, we also carried on this same rebellion. We, 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 we lived among Gentiles, but also we were carrying on a sinful rebellion we we were religious but we were still at the core of who we were deserving judgment deserving God's wrath and all the way through the page of the old testament we find that God wanted to woo a people to himself his people by grace by his spirit through his work and people the chosen people turning away from him, following other gods, hardening their hearts. Described in Ezekiel 36, 26, God's promise, I will take from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. God always wanting to have people relating to him with a heart of flesh, heart beating in tune, hearing God's heart and feeling his heart and having that heart of God in our lives. See, religion outside of, 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 of God outside of grace, outside of the gospel, can produce all kinds of wicked fruit. You think of our religious world, whichever the religion, it doesn't matter, Christians, Islam, Buddhism. We have heard stories of priests and, and vicars and, and imams that have abused and people who have killed and caused wars and, and genocide and bombings. And C.S. Lewis puts it like this, if religion does not make us better people, it will make us very much worse. And of all the bad men who have ever lived, the religious bad man is worse of all. So the truth about the world is dead. The truth about religion, it stands under judgment, under God's wrath. So now I want to finish in creeping into a little bit what Howard will talk about next week is the truth about the gospel, the vaccine, the glorious wonderful gospel read these verses but you see the world is dead it's hopeless there is no hope religion there is no hope in religion no matter how many rules you keep how many good things you do no you're you're going to face god's judgment but 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 who is this god that we worship god who is rich in mercy but because of God's great love for this world, God so loved this world, he made us alive in Christ. He gave his one and only son that whosoever 
believes in him will not perish. Now, you may be listening to this as a Christian and say to me, well, if the non-Christian world, the world outside our doors is dead, is there any point trying to share the gospel? Yes, in every way. Because the gospel is the vaccine. It's the hope for the world. We can't win someone with our cleverness, with our fine sounding arguments, with our apologetics. No, it's the it's the gospel. It's declaring, speaking, sharing, testifying to the gospel. What is the gospel? That Christ died according to the scripture, that Christ was buried, that he was raised again on the third day, according to the scripture, that this resurrected Jesus Christ has triumphed over sin, over death, over judgment. And it's this Christ who tells his disciples to go out and preach, to speak this gospel, this good news, that God is a God of mercy, a God of grace, and that whosoever puts their faith, puts their trust in the finished work of Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, his blood that was shed for the sin of the world, whoever puts their trust, puts their hope in him, will never perish, will be brought wonderfully into the very presence of God, We can become a child of the living God. This is the gospel. And we don't have to try and defend it, protect it. We just have to speak it. And God uses that gospel to bring about resurrection. That we, like Jesus going to Lazarus's tomb, as we share with an unbeliever and say, God loves you. Jesus has died for your sin. Jesus is alive. The gospel, Lazarus come forth. The unbelieving world will come forth and be saved. So, our hope isn't in a vaccine. Our hope isn't in that wonderful light in our nation where the, the, this vaccine's bringing light at the end of this dark tunnel. Our hope is in God. God is a God of hope. And we are carriers of that hope. And I want to finish with this because I want to encourage you today. I know many of you might feel very discouraged. You, you may be, have been sick. You may have been in hospital. You may have lost loved ones. You may have lost your job. You may, may just be feeling like most of us do Groundhog Day every day. And I haven't got the energy to get up. God is a God of hope. And he has spoken hope to people before, to generation after generation. And he's brought the people of God safely through into a place of flourishing and blessing and renewal and restoration. And Romans 15 puts it like this, verse 4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. See, we might have hope. What was, what's God's encouragement to us today? Read the scriptures. Find those scriptures. The Psalms. The psalmist says again and again, Israel, hope in the Lord. How about Isaiah chapter 40? He gives strength to the weary. Weary, he gives strength. He increases the power of the weak. You feel weak, he increases your power. You're young, you're growing tired and weary. Young men, you're stumbling and falling. Listen, verse 31. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let me tell you today, hope in the Lord. 
Hope in the Lord. Let him put feathers in your wings. Let him put the life of the spirit in you as you trust in him, as you speak out. I trust you. I put my hope in you, God. I put my hope in your word. Parallel passage in Colossians. Just be really helpful to read this. When you, verse uh, 13, when you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive. That's what you are today as a Christian. God has made you alive with Christ, forgiving all your sins, forgiving all your sins, past, present, future, having cancelled the written code with its regulation that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and the authorities. If you are feeling like I've sinned and I, I feel Satan's pulling me down into this pit of despair. No, God has disarmed the powers and authorities. He's made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross, by the cross. Wonderful truths. So if you're feeling to, saying to me this morning, God, I feel, I feel dirty. I've messed up this week. I've been fearful, I've messed up this week. I've uh, just feel so depressed, so discouraged. I want you to get in the shower this morning, the shower of God's word, the power shower, stand under it, turn on all the jets and allow that word to wash you and cleanse you. What do I mean by that? Well, imagine me turning on figuratively a power shower of Ephesians chapter one and letting that truth renew my mind and flood my being. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every, not a few, every spiritual blessing in Christ. It's a mighty waterfall pouring down. He chose us when? Before the foundation of the world. How? To be holy and blameless. Have a good wash. Holy and blameless. That's what God's won for us through Christ. Holy and blameless. He's in love. He's, he's predestined us. He's, he's not, we're not living under the circumstance of COVID. He's predestined us for the adoption of sons to be his children. Verse 7, in him we have redemption. He's redeemed us. He's, he, he's freed us from the slave market. He's freed us from following the ways of the world. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace. There is grace upon grace as we read Ephesians 1 that fills us and renews us and makes us rise up on eagles' wings. So let me finish by saying this. Do you remember the Chilean miners at the beginning of this talk in, in trapped underground, wondering if there was any hope and being re re renewed every day by their pastor saying, believe, trust in the Lord? In C.S. Lewis's um, The Silver Chair, wonderful book, please read it for your children or get your teenagers to read it. The, the children were in an underground kingdom, the witch's kingdom, she was had a fire and she was putting incense. She was telling them there is no Narnia. There's no anything good. No Aslan, no God. And Puddleum, who is their guide, stamps his foot on the fire and makes this declaration. I'm just stamping my foot on any demonic fire, any deception in your mind today of hopelessness. And he says this. 
Suppose we have only dreamed or made up all those things, trees and grass and sun and moon and stars and Aslan himself. Suppose we have. Then all I can say is this, that in that case, the made up things seem a good deal more important than the real ones. Suppose this black pit of the kingdom of yours is the only world. Well, it strikes me as a pretty poor one. And that's a funny thing when you come to think of it. We're just babies making up a game, if you're right. But four babies playing a game can make a play world which licks your real world hollow. God has prepared things in advance for us. He's prepared an eternal kingdom, a new heaven, a new earth. But he's prepared things for us this year to walk into. So let me finish with a John Groves's prophecy that uh, he shared uh, at Hope Church last um, week. It was, it's from Hosea. I'm just going to read these verses in Hosea 2. It says this, God's speaking to his, his people. I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Achor a doorway of hope. And John says, as God spoke to Israel and said the very valley where Achan sinned, the very valley of, of discouragement, the desert, God says, I'm going to make this the very doorway into something beautiful and better and prosperous and flourishing. And he, he's, he sort of prophesied that the, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic is a doorway of hope. That beyond this, for all the church, in our nation, across the world, we're going to come into a, a time of flourishing, a time of blessing, a time where the gospel is going to run and run. And I want to fill you with hope as you hear that message and encourage you to believe God that we are the carriers of a vaccine that is more powerful than anything medical that brings hope and brings life to the dead and so I want to pray that you would be empowered this morning to carry that gospel to the ends of the world so let me just pray for you Lord Jesus I thank you for this church I thank you for every member I pray today for those who are in that dark place Lord that they would renew their strength they would be called up Lord, out of death, out of despair, out of darkness, they would take off any discouragement and they would see that God is for them and therefore who can be against them. I pray for power to come on all of us to share this good news. I pray for a day, a doorway of hope into which we walk, where, Lord, hundreds and thousands in London hear this good news, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved. I pray for that even for this morning, that people would be saved. I pray, Lord, for every heart who is discouraged to put their hope in you and to put their trust in your unfailing word. Lord, thank you. God is for us. Thank you for your unfailing love towards each one of us. May we feel it by the power of your spirit this morning as we hear this word in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. Sending our love. Thanks for listening to sermon audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.